Sales is the most lucrative skill in the world, period. The problem is most sales advice out there today is outdated, cheesy, and can even keep you from getting the deals that can make all the difference in your career. This is the No BS Sales School, a podcast for entrepreneurs and salespeople who want to master the skill of selling without all the BS. Listen, if you're like me, you hate doing admin crap. Number one, because you're not good at it. And number two, because you know it's taking you away from the stuff that actually makes you money. So why are you doing it? Do what I did. Go to worksbee.com right now and let them pair you with a real executive assistant. Once I started working with Cheryl at Worksbee, my income went up 40% in one month and my working hours went from 70 down to 40. It's a game changer. Go to workspeed.com right now, book a call, and tell them Walker sent you. If you do, you'll get two extra hours of service for free as a bonus. So if you're ready to finally stop doing the stuff you hate and focus on the stuff that makes you money, go to workspeed.com right now. That's W-O-R-X-B-E-E dot C-O-M. Tell them Walker sent you, and you'll get those two free hours. Welcome to the OBS Sales School Podcast. I'm your host, Walker McKay. Today, I have an episode, a guest um, that I'm excited about. I think you guys will be too. His name is Dennis Geelan. Dennis is from Canada. He is the founder of a company called Zero In, and he's written a book called The Zero In Formula. And what we're going to talk about today are three priorities that every business needs to have to be healthy, profitable, and successful over the long term. At the end of this podcast, we're going to offer you a pretty cool giveaway. So hang on um, to the end and you'll find out how you can get a free copy of Dennis's book. So um, with no further ado, as they say, hey, Dennis, welcome to the No BS Sales Podcast. Glad you're here. Yeah, thanks a lot for having me, Walker. This is awesome. Good. So, so tell me something, Dennis. You're, um, how in the world, tell me your story. Take two minutes and tell me your story of how you got to where you are today, being the founder of Zero In and writing a book and all that kind of stuff. Sure, yeah. Well, my, my career originally started in, in software. That's what I went through, uh, did my degree in many, many, many years ago and uh, started off as a software developer and but eventually worked my way into management roles in a few different major corporations and, and found myself working more in strategy, uh, professional services, some project management type stuff and really got um, you know, a, a lot more into that strategy side of the business. And it um, wasn't until I was in my 40s and kind of thinking, geez, is this all there is? Uh, right. is, there, is there more? Is there something else? Um, were you an I, in-house consultant or were you one that went to other companies? Were you kind of helping strategy within the companies you were working for? I, I was always, a- yeah, always in-house. So, um, and that's where I kind of got, well, geez, wouldn't it be nice to take all the stuff I've learned over the last 20 plus years and just help any company. And that's, that's when I decided to start uh, zero in. And um, how long ago was that, Dennis? About three years ago now that uh, zero in was founded. Uh, So before the pandemic and just kind of getting nicely rolling when uh, this thing called COVID-19 hit us, right? Damn it. Yeah. So you started... Um, was it was it you in an office in your house getting started? Is that how you did like you know, yep. like a lot of us did? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Pretty much just working right from the home. Uh, 
um, you know, obviously before the pandemic, I would go visit with clients or I would rent yeah. conference spaces if I was doing workshops or training seminars, um, but no real office that I worked out of other than my home. So, so what's the, you've been on this three-year entrepreneur journey, maybe longer than that, yeah. but in this, in this message, three years, what surprised you the most? Uh, how little I actually knew about starting my own business. You know, <laughs> I had always been an employee in an established oh, yeah. business, right? So I, I knew all these things about strategy. I know all these things about innovation and customer experience um, that I could apply to established businesses. But I had never established a business from scratch before and um, really had to go through trial and error. And as mm -hmm. they say, life is the best lesson and really yeah. learn it uh, on my own. So I, I learned a ton about building a brand, attracting customers, uh, marketing and sales. Those were things that I did not have in my toolkit originally. Yeah. So what is there a piece of advice you'd offer somebody else who's kind of starting on that journey too? Yeah, I, I would say um, be bold. Uh, you have to make calls. You have to network. Yeah. You have to build relationships. It's a... Yeah. Uh, it, it, I was very naive in the beginning. It was, I'll just announce to the world that I've created this company. Yep. I'll build a website and then I'll just sit back and wait for the customers to come. The well, phone's going to ring. The world's yeah. going to come to me. Yeah. <laughs> Knowing a thing or two about sales like you do, Walker, that was a very uh, poor plan on, on my part in the beginning. But uh, but you know what? It's not unusual. And even um, even I discounted how hard it is to start a business from brick and zero, mm -hmm. knowing that sales is my background and that's what I do and that's what I love and that's what I teach people growing companies is what I teach people. But even so, having to do it yourself is completely different than telling yeah. somebody else how to do it. Yeah, it's, um, it's a hum humbling experience, but a good one. Yeah, I think so too. So tell me something, um, what is zero in? What does that mean? How, how'd you come up with that name? Yeah, I guess. Uh, well, what what I help companies do is be more customer centric and be more innovative. I firmly believe those are the two things that you have to found your business on if you mm -hmm. really want to be successful long term. You, you, you look at the companies that thrive and rise to the top of their industry. They know who their customers are, why they buy their products or services, what their what their trends are, what their habits are. And they are extremely innovative at finding new and better ways of adding value and serving those customers. They've built this mm -hmm. culture of let's truly understand our customers and let's not, um, let's not just be complacent. Let's find new and better ways. Let's build this culture of innovation. So, so customer centric, so customer centric means, I know this is, sounds kind of pedantic, but, but, uh, or basic, but customer centric means that you as a, company understand your customer your ideal prospect your customer as well as maybe the prospect does right and you know their buttons yeah. and what they're looking for and what they don't want and what might raise their attention is that, is that right. correct yeah and in fact it, and it happens because you invest in it you invest in the tools the strategies the people the processes required to collect information and understand these people right it it's, it's who you are, it's, it's we've built our business around knowing our market and knowing our customers. So to me, Sounds that's like something that's, Yeah, I get that. Sounds to me like something that's something that, um, that only big companies have the, would really have the room to do or the money or the time. Um, I think the big companies are the ones that are spending a lot of money and doing it well. 
but this is where I come in. Any business, I believe, can be and should be customer-centric, and this is what I help them do. Here's some tools, here's some strategies that you can implement, even as a small or medium-sized enterprise, that are going to have you better understanding your customers. And, and once that happens, the light bulbs go off. Well, geez, if we know this, can we change our messaging? Can we change our marketing? Can we change some of our offers? Because we now have a better understanding of our customers and how and why they operate. I'm assuming you're going to share at least one or two of those tools with us. Um, sure. um, do you mind? Well, hell, it's right now. Do you mind sharing one of the tools that you're talking about? So how sure. that we, the small business owner and others, can use this information? Yeah, a few of them that are probably going to jump off the page and get you the most results right off the bat. One is um, there, there's a methodology called jobs to be done or JTBD okay. is the short form for it. And really it's, it's interviewing some of your past or current customers in such a way where you, you extract what was the thought process they went through to research and then purchase your product rather than your competitors or a different product altogether. And that process, which can be done by anybody, is going to tell you what were the jobs that people were really hiring our product or service to be done for them. So an example, people don't buy an expensive suit, they buy an image, right? Well, I, I didn't wake up in the morning and say, I think I'll buy a really expensive suit today. It was, I've got an interview tomorrow. And I need to look and I and present a certain image. That's what led me to buying this suit from this company as a, as a real quick example, right? Seth Godin had said something like that. He talked about, he said, when you go to the hardware store and somebody's going to buy a, a bolt, they're not going to buy a bolt. Um, they're going to, um, they're looking for something that will make a hole and will fasten something to the wall, but they're not really looking yeah. for something hole and fasten the wall. They're there to buy something to put a shelf up on the wall to get the shit off the floor so their wife will right. quit yelling at them. Yep. What right? was it's the just... real uh, higher level objective behind their behavior that day? What took them to you, your website, your store, whatever, and, and prompted them to buy that, that product? When you can get into that mindset and truly understand what was the job they were hiring your product or service to do for them, mm -hmm. now you start to unlock a lot of information about your your customer. And then I say the second tool would be uh, a customer journey map where you can kind of map out what does that journey look like from pre-sales when they first hear about us to the sales process, to the transaction process, to the, you know, maybe support or service process. What does that journey look like for a customer to go through being a customer of our brand? And once you can, can put that on paper and kind of map out where do we have good interactions? Where do we need to improve some interactions? Where are we not creating the experience that we need to be that's consistent throughout that journey? Uh, um, again, the light bulbs go off and you're putting yourself in the customer's shoes, you're being customer centric and you're improving that journey and all those different touch points. Okay, and so we're um, actually, again, getting putting ourselves in the, as you said, in the customer's shoes. And so, yeah. Well, give me an example of something like where a, um, a customer's journey may be um, uh, more difficult, less pleasing, something where you may be losing, where people are bailing out. Give me an example of that. What, what would, what's something that might cause somebody to bail out of a buying process? Sure. Well, um, so if we go back to that example of, hey, I need to buy a suit for my interview tomorrow. Uh, first thing you're probably going to do is go on and Google, right? Where are some you know, men's suit shops in my area? Well, right off the bat, if your website isn't coming up 
or your website comes up, but the first impression is terrible. It doesn't tell me when you're open. It doesn't tell me how to, boom, you're right off the list. So that initial part of the journey has already excluded you. Yep. A another example of this was the other night, my wife and I were actually looking to order takeout from um, a, a different restaurant in town. We've been trying to support the local um, you know, establishments during, during COVID. And boy, here's one that we haven't tried before. So I bring up their website, no information on there about where's their menu, no information about how to order, no information about when they're open. I, I would have to now call them on the phone just to get this information. Well, what's the point of having a website if I have to call you to get this information? So boom, they're right off the list. I would have loved to have ordered from them, but right off the bat, it didn't seem very user-friendly. So yeah, to make it too hard. And maybe yeah. that wasn't a conscious choice. Yeah. Sometimes we, we're kind of we're moving through life at whatever speed, 50,000 miles an hour. And we kind of go bing, 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 bing. And if, if something is difficult, we're going to get the hell out of the way. Yeah. And that's where if you can take the time to kind of map out, well, what does this journey look like for the customer? And are those different touch points user-friendly? Are they giving them the information they would need at that point of the journey or not? Is this consistent mm -hmm. with the type of messaging and brand we want to portray? If not, yeah. what do we have to do to update it now that we better understand our customers and what they're looking for? You know, I can tell you're a software engineer. <laughs> That's my background you know, because, for sure. Yeah, it's your background. I can tell that, right? Because it's all about mapping the different processes, which I, again, yeah. I'm not a software engineer, don't know a damn thing about it. But, um, but it is literally, to me, it sounds like slowing down enough to take the time to go back to exactly what is the experience people are having instead of just guessing or throwing more out there or yeah. building a new website for whatever reason. It's actually yeah. taking the time to analyze. Yeah. Yeah, this, 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 this side is the easy side. This is the let's map out what it looks like. Where yeah. it gets a little more complicated, but fun and creative is on the innovative side. Okay, we've got all this information now. How do we properly innovate? How do we properly brainstorm? And that's where I bring a lot of uh, tools and processes as well and, and facilitate a lot of brainstorming sessions because that's another thing that companies don't just inherently do well. A lot of times it's, Let's gather everybody, get in a room and give me your best ideas. Right. And, you know, uh, probably some ideas come out, not very good ones. And you don't have the right tools, the right tactics, the right processes to really extract great ideas. Um, so people leave that brainstorming session very underwhelmed. So this is where I come in and teach them better innovation brainstorming techniques, or I facilitate the sessions for them. And it unlocks all those ideas that are lying there under the surface. They just don't know how to get to them. Part of so um, <clears throat> one of the things I've noticed in companies and in people is that sometimes there is a lack of awareness of either what their impact, you know, what, what you know, why people do what they do. There is a lack of awareness of the outside. Do you ever find that in companies or people like they just assume something is true and they've got blinders on? All the um, time. All the time. Can you give me an example of one of those things? I'm curious of what you found. Well, if we go back to software companies, um, the software was built by some software developers who designed it, who programmed it. It was tested by some QA people that tested it, but it's all being designed and programmed and tested in the way that they think it should work. Right. Where some nerd reality, software engineer, right? Not that yeah. offensive, but some yeah. nerd software engineer. Yeah. 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 But what really happens is a user gets on there and goes, okay, well, I'm going to do this. I'm going to, oh, 
well, wouldn't it be great if I could do that? Oh, I can't do that. Oh, wouldn't it be great? Oh, it doesn't work like that. And they've got this inherent way of, in my business, this is how I need to use this tool, but it doesn't work that way. And I've been in the position in several software companies where I'm kind of that interface between the customer and the development team. And I'll bring some requests into the development team and they'll be scratching their head saying, well, why would the customer want to do that? That's not the way it's designed. That's not the way it's supposed <laughs> to work, but that's the way they use it. Like this right. is our customer. Just because you designed it that way or you tested it that way, doesn't mean that's the way it's being utilized in, in the real world. So we, we need to get in their, in their heads. Instead of being all about our product and our features, it's what are you people doing? What are the goals you're trying to achieve? What are the jobs you're trying to get done? So we can that sounds now... kind of customer. It sounds kind of customer centric. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. But there's this chasm that we have to somehow cross to be able to get that mindset in house. There's a book called Lean Startup that I'm sure you've yep. read. Yeah. About the and about it's about just this is a lot of people would build a software product for a problem that they were sure needed to be solved, and then they create a spent two years creating the perfect solution for that, and then. Either nobody else has that problem or they wouldn't have solved it the same way and nobody yeah. uses it. It sounds yeah. to me like the very same thing. And ideally, yes. it sounds like you would work, get in with somebody before they built the new product. Is that correct? Uh, in some cases, it, it's during that startup phase. So I can help them be more customer centric and have the correct innovation strategies. Mm -hmm. Or it could be, hey, you're five, 10 years in, you've plateaued or you're just blending in now. You're one of 10 or 15 different options mm -hmm. on the market nobody's really resonating with you. You're getting by, but you're not the top dog. What do we need to do? And usually it's some more customer centric and more innovative approaches to what you're doing to really unlock and get you to that next level. I'm hearing you talk a lot about technology companies, uh, software, technology, that kind of stuff. What about like a regular old bricks and mortar business or a, yeah. you know, one that's more traditional say than that? Any, and I don't mean like retail necessarily, but yep. what about another business? Yeah, and, and it's funny you mentioned that because right off the top, I said my, my background is in software. None of the customers or clients that I have with Zero In are actually tech or software companies. Ta-da, good. Right, I work with you know other types of businesses, retail, manufacturing, health and wellness and, and fitness and nonprofit. And, and I take these same concepts that I have learned that just happen to come from my software background but really can apply to an, anywhere. And, and one example would be, um, there's a chiropractor physiotherapist office in, in my town, one of about 10. Well, why would somebody choose to go to their clinic rather than the other nine? Is it triple A? <laughs> triple A chiropractic. <laughs> right, but, but what, what is it that they're doing that is more customer centric or more innovative than the other ones, because if the answer is not much, well, then the answer to the patient is, well, why would I come to you? What's what's so different about you? Yeah, what's why would better I care? about you, right? Yeah, it's more unique or innovative about you. Um, and if it's just I've got my customer base and that's it, we've kind of plateaued or we're just getting by. Well, where are you going to be five years from now if that's your strategy? Right, you're either going to be in the same place or going down. You're you're not going to grow with that strategy. So how do we get some more customer-centric views, some more customer-centric strategies in place, and then find some more innovative ways to solve those problems for those customers and really set you apart from your competition? So 
how I'm sure there are other people that say they do what you do. I mean, some form not zero in, right? And and yep. not the maybe not with the zero in formula, but how do you differentiate differentiate yourself in the marketplace? Yeah, I, I would say there's there's other customer experience consultants out there, okay. and there's other innovation or facilitators out there that will help you do brainstorming sessions. I'm I, I think I'm the only one that I know of that kind of combines those two, puts it in a formula, and says these two have to go together. You really want to unlock your business potential put these two things together. And here's a formula that I put together for you in a book on how to build your business around these principles. And it's not your regular strategic plan, like you're gonna see from other consultants. It's not, let's see where you need to be five years from now and put some goals in place. No, no, no. Let's, what tools and strategies do you need to put into your business to be more customer centric and more innovative? That's the strategic plan I bring. It's not the, the, not the typical plan you're gonna see from a consulting company. Right. So um, when you have, you know, one of the things I find, and I, I call them uh, in my business, I call them hostages, right? People that are sitting in there in the meeting or whatever, and the boss has hired me and they're the old, in my world, it's the old freaking sales guy who can't tell a damn thing to me and sits in the back room like this and says, this is <laughs> Arms crossed, yeah. Arms crossed, fuck, I yeah. know everything, blah, 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 blah. I am certain you have that in your world too. For sure. I think, I think we I all encounter that. How do you deal with those folks, Dennis? Typically, I, I like to ask them a question that's going to make them think that they probably also don't have the answer to readily. So an example might be, say this is a, a fictional character, Bob, is sitting at the back of the room. He's got his arms crossed, scowl on his face, and he's kind of objecting to everything I say. I, I might say, Bob, do you know what your customer ROI is? What is the customer lifetime value of each of your different customers here at company XYZ? And he's probably going to say, I don't know. And I'll say, well, geez, uh, you know, all of my customers are calculating their customer ROI and their lifetime value. Like, wouldn't you want to know what that is for your company? And now I've got his attention. Yep. And now he wants to listen. And now he's going to want to dig in and ask more. And that's, that's typically how I would handle something like that. Pretty good. I, I tell you, I had... <laughs> I watched somebody who's a master at this. I haven't done it yet, but I'm going to. He had a hostage in his classroom and um, he got that person to stand up in the front of the room and write the notes on the board. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Like in he, was able to, he was able to completely freaking neutralize the guy because he's like, Write that on the board, Bob. And so Bob was sitting up there doing the work and, you know, it was pretty funny. Um, oh, boy. Um, so what's the, when you work with a company and maybe this has never happened, but when you work with a company and it fails, what did the company fail to do? If I work with a company and they failed to- And the project and the project fails. Right, right. I'm sure you've had a hundred percent success, but let's think about that number one, that, that one fictitious company that they hired you, but then maybe weren't committed to the process. Tell me, where do they fall down? I would say that there, there probably wasn't some strong um, leadership at the top advocating for this yeah. because it does take some time, it does take some effort, and it does take a different mindset in order to implement these customer-centric and innovative strategies. If that's not being supported right from the top, it's bound to fail right from the beginning. So yeah. that's where I, I try 
to work directly with the decision maker right from the beginning. Yep. Um, as you know, you don't always have access, so that's not always the case. And yep. if that person's not on board, then yeah, you're 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 bound to see an unsuccessful project at some point. And it's um, it's kind of, and I think all of us, and especially that um, maybe not just selling a product but a service, um, we have faced from time to time is that um, there's some things once you get in, you realize shit, I didn't set this thing up correctly. I mm -hmm. didn't get the right people bought in, or I didn't tell them, hey, look, your people are going to push back because this is hard. Yeah. They're going to tell you this is bullshit and that they don't want to spend the time. What are you going to say when they come to you and tell you that? Right. Begin to manage yeah. their expectations that think this is what's going to need to happen. Yeah. And that's that's where I try to have some some as many conversations up front to kind of diffuse mm -hmm. that or, or prepare for that and be proactive. And um, it's funny. What one of the things I like to do is I show this video and you can find it on YouTube called the moonwalking bear. I'm not sure if you've ever seen it, but uh, it, it's a great metaphor. So spoiler alert, I'll kind of explain what happens. This is the basketball team? This is the are basketball team. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. and you're supposed to count how many times they pass the basketball and you're so concentrated on counting. There, I got it, it was 11 passes. Right, but did you notice the moonwalking bear that went right across the middle of your screen? <laughs> and what I like to do is show this up front because a lot of the pushback that you typically will see in companies is we're too busy or we've yeah. just got to take care of what we already have on our plate, our operations. And I say, great. And guess what happens while you're sitting there counting the passes, which is a metaphor for just having your head down and getting your work done today. You're missing this great opportunity that's right in front of you, this moonwalking bear that's going right in front of your face. You don't even see it. That's what I'm helping you unlock by understanding your customers better and by creating a culture of innovation and finding new and better ways of serving them, that's your moonwalking bear. So if I have that conversation with them ahead of time and then they come back later, a month later and say, ah, but we're too busy, but we're too, I'm like, hey, remember the moonwalking bear? That's what we're going for right. here, guys. You're counting the yeah. passes and I understand that you have to do that to get the job done today, but we can't take our eyes off the moonwalking bear. How long does it take when you go engage with a company? How long does it take them to turn around and begin to see results? I know each situation is different, but how long would you? Yeah, tell them? It, it really depends on what I'm brought in for. Sometimes it's a, it's just, hey, let's just um, help us increase our, our customer experience. So we'll do a journey map and we'll look at some things that need to be done to increase their experience. And I can be in and out of there within a month. And, you know, a few weeks later, they're seeing uh, some improvements. If it's a full scale, let's start right from the beginning yeah. and go all the way through, you know, you know, I could spend a couple months with them um, and then there's more change involved, uh, which means the culture is going to have a little bit of uncomfortableness and some pushback and it's going to take a little bit longer for them to see results um, probably within, you know, at least, at least four to six months at that point. What would somebody be experiencing now that would make them say, shit, I need to talk to Dennis? Probably one of the biggest things is if you hear the phrase, but that's not how we do it around here, or, oh. or this is the way we've always done it around here, you've got a problem. You've got a culture of, no, no, we think we already have the perfect recipe. We think we already know our customers and we think we already know how to serve them because you've got this attitude of this is how we do it around here. You are ripe for disruption. Look at, look at just what has happened in the last year. You have no idea when a disruptor is coming along, whether that's yeah. a, a competitor, 
whether that's an economic downturn, whether that's new technology, whether that's a pandemic. You can't plan for that. So if you create this culture of complacency, or this is how we do it around here, you're in trouble. Even if things are going well today, next month, you could be in big trouble. So we got to reverse that. We have to have a culture of let's continually understand our customers' habits because they change. And let's create a culture of let's, let's encourage people to find new ideas and new ways. It doesn't mean we have to run with them all. We can pilot some, we can test some, we can see what's working, but we are now set up to be able to pivot. We are now set up to be able to come up with new ideas and put us ahead of our competitors um, or rise to the top or stand out. That's the kind so of- So what would somebody, what would we be, and maybe I didn't answer this, what would we be hearing from our customers if we knew it was time to hire dentists and get this thing, be more customer centric. Oh, yeah. yeah. If your customers are choosing you because of price. So if you're hearing, uh, well, how much does it cost? Well, so-and-so is more expensive. That tells me you have not created a better experience. You have not created anything that's different or unique about doing business with you. When customers are haggling with you over price, they just see you as a commodity and you're, you're one option on the market. When you've really created something where they go, oh, I got to have that, or boy, I got to work with these guys, that doesn't happen by accident. That happens by understanding your customers and finding new and better ways of serving them that are different from your competition that stand out. And now they don't care so much about price to an extent. The studies show right. us that pe people are willing to spend, you know, probably 15 to 20% more if it comes with a great experience. Mm -hmm. Just just, just look at here in Canada, you got Starbucks versus Tim Hortons. I guess in the States, it would be Starbucks versus Dunkin' Donuts. Yes. Right? How much does a Starbucks coffee cost versus a Dunkin' Donuts coffee? And the people that love Starbucks don't care. Don't care. Right. They're not complaining that it's $5 for a coffee here versus $2 there. I got to have my Starbucks coffee and I want to okay. drink it in a Starbucks because that's the experience that was specifically designed to resonate with mm -hmm. me. So the price of that copy is, is inconsequential to a point. You know, what you just said reminds me of what it is that I believe that, um, that mo our businesses aren't, what we sell is not a commodity, but the, uh, what was I trying to, but the way we sell it, I'm sorry. What we sell is not a commodity, no matter what it is you sell. If you are being, if it, you're being treated as if it's one, that means you're not selling it correctly. Yes. Right. You haven't found a way. And I also believe that if we can't, people can't, that you're different, they'll never see that you're better. Yeah. Yeah. If they, if they um, see you as a commodity, they're going to want to pay for it as if, as if it's a commodity. Correct. How much are you compared to this guy? If, if they don't see a difference, they just want to get the cheapest then. Yeah. Right? They need to see yep. a difference and then they'll understand the value and why they'll pay a little bit more work with you. Dennis, I have enjoyed this very much. You mind if I share with you a couple of things I've learned? I would love to. I really like the, the steps to interview customers, the jobs to be done thing, interview customers past and present and find out why they bought from you. What were the steps they had to take? What was the decision point, the reason they actually bought from you? And I think that's interesting because a lot of times, and you're right, if you're not trained at doing this, what you'll get is an intellectual answer. Mm -hmm. You'll get the reason I call it people make decisions emotionally, then they justify it intellectually. So they'll make a wildly emotional decision and then they'll send their press agent 
press agent out to say how smart they were for making that intellectual decision. Um, so I think you do have to have the skills to be able to have those interviews to pull out the real reason. Yeah. I, I should mention also, before before we move on there, you're yeah. right. People don't naturally do that well, that, that type of interview process. On my website, uh, I have a template section, free templates. Anybody can download them. They don't need to put their email address in or anything. There is a jobs to be done sample interview on there. This will show you how do you ask these questions of your customers in the proper way to get the right answers. Um, so you're right, it's not something that people just naturally do well. Dennis, so speaking of that, tell us, tell my audience, tell the No BS sales team, how would we get in touch with you? How do we access this, um, your website? And how would somebody reach talk to you if they wanted to find you? Find you if they want to talk to you. Yeah, so the Zero In website is www.zero-in, so zero-in.ca, because yes, I'm, I'm Canadian. Canada, uh, right. Yeah. On there, there's all kinds of stuff. You can see access to a lot of the resources and templates that I give away for free. Um, you can see the services that I offer, whether those are consulting or training slash workshop type uh, services. My book's on there. And I just released a, an online course actually that dives really deep into the concepts and strategies in my book and the services. So if you don't have the time or the budget to work with me directly, you can purchase the course and go through the videos and the exercises and do it on your own time. Dennis, that's awesome. So, um, so let's talk about this offer where we're going to give away free copies of your yeah, book. Yeah, I'm excited. So tell me, so here's, so here's what Dennis offered to do. He said, for those of you in the audience, if you want a, for those three people who do this, if you want a free copy of the book, I want you to post, take a link to this podcast, post it on a social media site that you use with a comment about what you learned and then tag Dennis Geelan, G-E-E-L-E-N and or Walker McKay. And, um, and we, when you get that and you tag us, we will make sure that you get an audio book right now you'll get a um, what is it a yep, the audio book yep you'll get a, a promo code to get the audio book and you'll That's have right. that free so um if you want to get the book how about post on social media the link to this site and what you or this podcast episode you learn from it and we'll make sure you get a free copy of the um of the book zero in formula perfect no BS sales team, I hope you've enjoyed this today. I have thoroughly done that. I, I hope you'll reach out to Dennis and, um, and have a conversation with him. Go to his website. Um, he is speaking a little bit of Canadian. Uh, he says, Ed, most of you know that means Z. Um, that's Canadian for Z. So zero in, zero dash in dot C-A. Um, a reminder to you, I've got a program that um, get a lot of traction on and I, it's where I work one-on-one -on -one with founders and entrepreneurs to grow their business. Sometimes it's working on sales, sometimes it's on hiring, sometimes strategy, sometimes the structure of their company. Um, Couldn't be all those things. Um, I actually have one slot that's open now. If you are an entrepreneur trying to grow your company and you want somebody that you can count on who doesn't have any skin in the game other than helping you, we can tell you the truth, reach out to me, walker at walkermckay.com. Let's have a quick conversation, see if I'm the right fit. Um, again, I'll feel no pressure to sell you anything, but I'm open to having a conversation and see if we'd be the right fit. Dennis, thank you, my man. I really enjoyed this conversation. I appreciate you being here today. 
Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Walker. That was great. Appreciate you.